Welcome back to the Aspiring Adult Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Smiles. And this week we are continuing our Becoming series where I have been interviewing people that are fostering passion projects, are working on creating their own businesses. And this week we have on Max Ratner. I'm Max. (laughs) Max and I went to college together and you'll hear us reference a few times the city of Oxford that we went to school in. And I know what you're thinking. No, this isn't Oxford, the accredited institution across the pond. This is Oxford, Ohio, where Miami University resides. Anyways, Max is a creator and he is the founder of Story Bottle, which is an LLC that he's created to kind of market his brand a little bit more. And we'll get more into depth on how he did that and what he really does for his creator status for Story Bottle in the podcast. And welcome on, Max. Hey, Max. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? We have a great looking no, background. Cool. I like it. It has some personality, a little flair. I like the cowboy yeah. hats. Yeah, I wish they were my cowboy hats and my girlfriend's, but oh. I, I borrow them on occasion. That's awesome. Where does she live? She's she, she's two years younger than me, so she's in Oxford right now. So I'm in okay, Oxford. So right you're now. in Oxford? I am. I'm oh, doing freelance wow. work for the past like week, and then for one more week, I've been doing freelance work in Cincinnati, so it's kind of perfect because I'm getting like... Mm-hmm free run <laughs> yeah that's awesome so your freelance work I obviously follow you on social media so is that just like your senior pictures is that your freelance sort of labor for the moment definitely so there's okay. a few parts of it three main weeks the first week it was for one of the acapella groups they had one of their con- they wanted one of their concerts recorded mm-hmm. and that also turned into a few bands at like brick wanted their concerts recorded and then the second week, it was the MEFD fashion show. I took some pictures, which mm-hmm. my, my girlfriend's like the head of marketing and a model for. So she wanted me to take ideals. Yeah. <laughs> and then this next upcoming week, I'm doing a video for a market research firm. But mm-hmm. while I've been here, I, I was like, I'm here. I'm not going to just drink or else I feel like I'm wasting time. So yeah. I've been, like a bunch of grad photos. I've been interviewing people for like this new TikTok, maybe YouTube series, and a few videos for some like student fashion brands. That's awesome. Because it's a bunch of different environments that you're recording. Obviously, like going from brick to a fashion show is a very different environment. So for the past like three, four years, I've been doing like video photo related creative content. Um, and that that started during covid when Mm -hmm. i had no i like had no idea what i wanted to do i changed my major like five times while in school because i was just trying to figure out what to do during covid i took a step back and i kind of wanted to realize what i enjoyed so i started just cold messaging people on linkedin um and they weren't even really creators because like they like some of them were near creators but the term creator wasn't really established yet Mm -hmm. um like some people worked at buzzfeed some people were just videographers like at actual production companies and it ended up during COVID during the COVID summer like I did some shadowing at a production company in Chicago where I learned like a bunch because I knew absolutely nothing and that snowballed into getting me 
to do a documentary for a nonprofit that snowballed into just me actually understanding how to like make and edit videos and then doing a bunch of freelance. And then in this past year, um, I started getting a lot more into the like creator space. So making my own content and then on the flip side, working with creators as like kind of like a creative director role. Yeah, that's awesome. So kind of circling back to obviously we met in college. So we met through, I think it was Red Hawk was how we met. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like an extremely different experience for both of us because neither of us are in VC any longer. So explain kind of your journey throughout college and how you kind of figured out what was for you and what wasn't for you. Yeah, I learned a lot of what wasn't for me. Yeah, that's honestly super important and valuable. Definitely. So I, I'll start with the majors and then like mm-hmm. just kind of web in. So I came into school. I had no idea what I wanted. I actually picked Miami. So the deadline I think was like May 5th. And I put my deposit down at like May 4th, 11.52 p.m. <laughs> um, and it, it ended up being like 11.58 because the first credit card got declined because I didn't realize it was expired. Mm. Um, but I picked Miami like last minute. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do, but mm-hmm. after talking to like my dad and older kind of relatives, I decided I might as well just apply to the business school because like it's hard to get into when you're like a student, but it's a lot easier when you're applying. So I did that. I did the core. So like the first year integrated core, which is just like the baseline challenges for freshman or all of the hardo business classes uh yeah yeah like the (laughs) like i like to call it like it's the pledging of the business school honestly it really is yeah um i did that and then as soon as i did the pledging i dipped out of the business school Mm. i went to i declare as a social studies education major Mm because that's something i've always been like really passionate about um but then i kind of decided for like a lot of reasons one like I couldn't see myself just being a teacher for like 50, 60 years. And after talking to like a lot of professors and other teachers, they kind of, we kind of got to the ideology that like, if I really like this, it's a lot more beneficial to go into like a field I'm interested in and then come back as like a professor instead. Cause if you really think about some of like the coolest professors probably that you've had too, anyone in general, they're all ones that have had real like life experiences. Cause then they're not teaching just from a textbook. They're teaching from practical examples. Mm-hmm. So my plan was like, I'll teach later. I'll figure it out then. So I then turned to poli sci. I did that for literally like a week. And then I was like, I literally signed up for all my classes. And I was like, I don't want to do poli sci. So yeah. then I switched to psychology because I always, I was like psychology. Down the line, I could teach social studies psychology or like the psychology of marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that for a semester. I liked the classes, but psychology just seemed like it's universal, but it seemed like too universal for me. Yeah, I kind of wanted to pick something that was more specialized in a way. Mm-hmm. I ended up with IMS, Interactive Media Studies, which was also called now called Emerging Technology in Business and Design, which I like to say is like the love child of grab like Adobe Creative Cloud, a little bit of coding design. Mm -hmm. I ended up with that. And also on the course of all this, 
I always had like a minor co-major in entrepreneurship just because I liked those classes because they're all project-based. They were all application-based, which I thought was a lot more valuable um, than just taking exams for anything that I wanted to do. Like I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't want to go to med school. So I thought actually doing something was interesting. So I ended with um, emerging technology, business and design and entrepreneurship. And kind of going back to your original question of like, where I like, I guess the orgs that maybe I did and like didn't do, I literally, it was coming from high school. I don't know. I'm sure you were like this in high school to some extent. Like I wanted to touch every single org oh, yeah. in high school. Um, and I did the same thing here until I realized I don't like half the orgs that I'm in. Um, I, I was in like this honors student board, which I like didn't spend any time for. I was on club tennis for a semester, which was cool, but mm -hmm. then that was taking up too much time. Um, and then my sophomore year, I got introduced into Red Hawk. Um, and I, I thought it was interesting because I had never heard of the term VC before, but I always thought startups were cool because I was like in entrepreneurship. And then I ended up getting into that, which was cool. My sophomore and like part of my junior year, that was like one of my favorite orgs I was in. It was a lot, lot more tight knit, honestly, than it is now. Um, but well, I that was also cool because like getting your hands in everything, like that was what yeah. VC's kind of goal is, is getting your hands in everything. So you got to learn a lot about the real world in a lot of different capacities. So that makes sense for you. No, it a hundred percent. It made perfect sense because like we got to talk with so many different startups and it was really, I liked it because I was coming from like the view of like, I want to be on the startup side. So when we had conversations, I kind of put myself in like their shoes, which yeah. a lot of the team members did, but some of the team members came from more of like a finance background. So was, I would think it was good to get that balance overall. So already then you were creating narratives yeah. like in the VC realm. So that, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely just kind of like, I remember one of the biggest things as an org we always said was just like focus on the founders. So I was always focused on like the founders story like one of my favorite questions to always ask was like how did you come up with the idea mm -hmm. um so i think that's a big just description of like the company as a whole the foundations of it but i i loved red hawk um wasn't super involved my senior year but that's just because after covid like like right. a lot of other orders it did kind of lose a part of its magic um mm -hmm. and then so then covid happened and then I kind of touched on it. I got into starting to figure out what I wanted, shadowing, getting into all that and shadowing like the production companies. Mm -hmm. And then- Was that a result was, of like the cold emailing yeah. that you did? Or cold yes. yeah. messaging? Okay. Yeah. So I actually, I thought of the idea to start cold messaging. So I was in a program called like, have you heard of the Altman program? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Did you do it? No, I didn't. I, w I actually wasn't in the business school, believe it or not. So I wasn't allowed to. No, I was an engineer. I, I knew you were an engineer. I thought you had like a minor in business or entrepreneurship or something. No, nope, nothing. I was not affiliated with the business school whatsoever besides her Red Hawk. Really? That's yeah. cool. That's funny. <laughs> um, but I basically what that was is just like they help you find internships. And through it, they taught us like networking skills. And they touched on a really valuable point that I still 
value and still try to kind of use when you're messaging people like cold emailing or like cold LinkedIn messaging people. If you say like you're a professional and you're like, oh, I'd love to pick your brain, then they're probably going to send you back their consulting rates. But if you say you're a student, um, you're not really trying to get anything out of them except like knowledge. And like, it's not like you can over leverage it like an actual, I guess, other worker would. So I try to do that as much as possible. I even do that now. I like to say like, I'm a recent grad. <laughs> so I'm like mm -hmm. reaching out to someone. Um, and that's what kind of how I touched on enabled me to snowball as like a PA into shooting a documentary and then the freelance work. After my senior uh, kind of summer, I ended up getting this internship with this company in Australia, which was really, really cool. It was like a contract job as like a videographer, creator, and a creative strategist, which are the two things that like I want to be spending all of my time with. So kind of doing that as like a quote unquote, like full-time job is really cool. I did that this past summer. And then in the fall, I graduated because last spring I took a gap semester to work. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're kind of getting to where I am now graduating in December and then in January and pause, pause me if you have any questions. <laughs> um, Cause I'm just word vomiting my life. No, um, I love it. It's great. Graduate in December and the past semester, honestly, school was like my lowest priority. Like I, most of my class, like the, even the entrepreneurship classes, we were like working with clients, which was cool, but it was to me, I was just like, I'm working with clients on the side and getting paid for it. I'm like paying to work with clients, which I thought was kind of goofy, but I definitely still did learn a lot. Um, but I liked doing the freelance more mm -hmm. um, last semester, just cause I was, it was getting like me a real sense of the work that I wanted to do and which work I didn't want to do. Um, and then come January, I started my own like boutique media agency. Like I got an LLC. I started kind of like reaching out to more clients. And so from January to now, that's kind of been my thing. Half of my time, like I want to spend creating my own content and half the time as like the director of the agency, working with clients in a freelance capacity, generally on social media ads or like social media style content, live event and strategy. That's awesome. So with all of that being tied into what you learned in college and then additionally what you learned on your own, obviously learning how to cold message through the Altman Institute or the Altman program. Yeah, um, yeah. So going out to Australia and that whole experience. So what was that like? Obviously, like you're messaging someone that you don't even know, soliciting advice, and then all of a sudden you're moving out there. Like, what was that like? It was the coolest experience of my life. I want to go back. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. Like, that sounds amazing. I'm jealous. Um, well, so plug for this program. This is this is the short version of the long story, but it was actually like a bunch of kind of like turns and how I got to Australia. So my junior year, I think spring of 21, um, I was going to Luxembourg. Mm -hmm. And there was the, have you heard of the Gilman Fellowship? No. Okay. 
a lot of people have. Um, it's it's like this. I don't even know how high how I heard about it. I think Miami sent an email, mm -hmm. but it was this like study abroad, government sponsored fellowship, and literally, literally the day it was due, <laughs> I, of I sent it in. Um, I sent it in, and it's crazy because I got it, and I was very surprised I got it because it was a low acceptance rate but i did get it and basically it was like a they must a, have just seen it was at the top of the pile and they're like oh max ratner sure why not yeah, yeah, why isn't yeah. he deserving of it yeah it was like bingo they just picked it like ratner all right just toss it <laughs> um no i got it and it was really cool and it was like a pretty decent size of money um but they wouldn't sponsor me going to luxembourg that spring because it was still covid um, and the government was like, we're not going to give you money to go travel during COVID. So I had to defer it to the fall. Um, mm -hmm. and I deferred it to like this virtual internship through mm -hmm. this program called Artbound Initiative, which is like a program you pay for to get free internships, which is actually pretty common in like a lot of other countries. So, but Just I'm not, not here. <laughs> yeah, not, not really. Like, well, they have programs here, but I feel like most people like, in the creative space can find an internship here but i think just different like company culture it's harder to find it in other countries i'm not sure the exact mm -hmm. reason but i mean there's enough yeah. value that they have a whole company around it mm -hmm. um but i got to do that and it was it charged money but i got to cover it with my fellowship and i even got to pocket a little so i guess that's it was amazing for me, um which was really cool so i did like a virtual internship with this agency in australia I loved loved the people I was working with. Even with like a 14 hour time difference, we like were able to get some cool stuff out. And they asked me like if I wanted to, we were joking at the beginning. He was like, oh, when you come out to Australia? And then he was like, do you, would you want to come out? And I was like, yeah. That's um, amazing. Holy, that's quite the transition, especially because I feel like a lot of content or if not all content can be made wherever you're at. So you don't necessarily need to be in Australia. No, I, I mean, yeah, you could be anywhere. Like mm -hmm. I was making some social media videos for them here, just recording it in my room and then sending it off. Um, but going, going to Australia didn't feel like it happened and still doesn't feel like I really went there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I did go there, uh, it was really funny because it sounds like a broken record. The night before I found where I was living um, on this website called Flatmates. And mm -hmm. uh, I was really nervous because I was going to be living with this random guy for like three months. And I get there and it was like it was like one of the cheapest places I found and one of the nicest areas, like a walk to work. And I instantly clicked with the guy. He was his name was Caleb. I love Caleb. I brought him Chick-fil-A sauce. He ate that up. Um, we we hung out a lot. We got a lot of Vietnamese food. I honestly miss him a bunch. Um, and that on its own experience was cool. The work, I loved the company. The only negative, the only like two negatives I would say about my entire experience. One, um, the first week, like I felt very lonely just because mm -hmm. I was across the world, like everyone is a 14 hour time difference. Um, but then I was able to kind of surpass that once I got over like this hump, I start Facebook is really big there. So I started joining like Facebook groups, like there was a yes theory Facebook group, which is like a big YouTube channel that um, 
I follow and I met a bunch of people who I would still say are so like some of my were some of my closest friends. I don't really keep in contact with them because it's so difficult, but I was super close with them when I was there. The only other negative would have been that I was only it was like a negative and a positive. Technically, I was only working there three days a week because mm-hmm. um, that's how kind of we set up the contract. So the other two days I was doing freelance. I was like trying to find freelance gigs. I didn't honestly find that many. So I was just making like content or just catching up on previous work. So I kind of wish I would have spent more time working with the agency, mm-hmm. but it was it was an incredible experience. I went to some cool places. I loved every single person that I met and I learned a good amount of stuff in work. I kind of wish I would have stayed longer, but I also feel like I stayed a perfect amount, but I do mm-hmm. know at some point so what were like the major differences between living in Australia versus living in the United States? First of all, everything is left. <laughs> I okay. the first week bump into people. Um, also, just with like general, I guess, social media, modern stuff, they're like a little bit behind. Like when I was there, like they were still, TikTok was still new to them. Like I was saying, Facebook was really big to them. Um, they were just starting to get like some fast food, like US based fast food places. Like I remember they said they just got like a Taco Bell when I was wow. on the call. Nobody liked it. How progressive <laughs> of them. A Taco Bell. That's crazy. <laughs> Baja um, blasts. I feel like that's what pumps through an Australian's veins. It's like Baja Blast, no? It's their own Baja Blast. Oh, I've yeah. one really cool experience was one of my friends from Miami. Her name's Charlotte. She's so cool. Um she's from Sydney, but she went to Miami and I visited her and her family for a weekend. So fun. Like her and I weren't even like that close before, but we got Mm -hmm. really close. Um, Obviously, like if you're a world apart from everybody else that you know, you do develop that sort of relationship with somebody just because like your proximity to them and you have so much in common just being on the same continent. Yeah. Like being that Australia is like so remote. No, it was, it was amazing. And her family was really, really cool. We ate kangaroo, which was, it's, it just tastes, I'm going to be honest. It's just like a really, really well-cooked steak. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't bad. It's just funny. It's like, apparently it's like 97% meat, like almost no fats. Cause it's really lean. So a bunch of wow. weightlifters eat it. Wow. And is that like eating chicken or like eating a cow? Like what is the relationship there because I feel like kangaroos are sacred in Australia just in my brain that may not be fact but that's how I view it in my brain it's they're kind of like deer like I literally have videos on my phone of like kangaroo crossing signs it's like overpopulation like I don't even don't quote me on this if you're from Australia and you listen to this (laughs) you don't even need a license to like hunt them because there's so many of them you might need like a machine gun on a kangaroo I've seen some memes about yeah yeah I've seen memes about like super ripped kangaroos and it's like who would win in a fight Dwayne the Rock Johnson or this kangaroo kangaroo are you kidding me unmatched unmatched like those things are absolute units their biceps are as big as my thighs I know they're they're crazy that was that was one of the really funny things cool things to see like I remember 
as soon as I got back, because I still had one semester at Miami, the video I showed every single person was like a video I saw of a kangaroo hopping around. I was like, look, it's a freaking kangaroo. <laughs> That's amazing. And while you were working there, like, did that ever become something that you were like unfazed by at any point? Or was that kind of just like the nuance of it was still present the entire time you were there? Like being surrounded in yeah. Australia? Um. I did. I didn't really stay phased by it. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't know. As soon as, like, even when I studied abroad, as soon as I'm like there for like a week or like two weeks, I I just I have like object lack of object permanence. I just forget <laughs> about like really everything else in the world. I'm just like oh, I I'm in Australia. It's not yep. like whoa, I'm in Australia or anything like that. Yeah. Like it still doesn't. It's still really weird. One of you'll you'll think this is cool. One of my uh, favorite stories from there, which is a video that I like started literally editing, like probably like as soon as it happened, but I still haven't gotten around to it, to finishing it just because it was so cool. And I'm like, I was like, it needs to be a perfect edit. Um, I went to Phillip Island. I kept calling it Phillips Island, but it's like where Pangu, it's the most Southern point of Melbourne. Um, mm -hmm. They're like, Victoria area mm -hmm. uh it's an island and it's where like it's really special because every single night at 9 p.m penguins come on shore and you get to see fairy penguins um but I saw I went there on the 4th of July because I didn't have work and I thought it'd be like I'm not gonna do the 4th of July how patriotic of you yeah <laughs> I know penguins <laughs> penguin triadic in Australia <laughs> um, yeah um but it was it was like an adventure on itself getting there. I did take a train and then like their version of a Greyhound and then like a taxi. And on the taxi ride, the it was the, he was like the first like stereotypical Australian I met, like very mm. thick. Like he was like, Yeah, an American and like yeah. all this stuff. Um side note, everyone there thought I was Canadian. They said it was kind okay. of how I, I sounded like Canadian. Well, it's probably because you're not like a stereotypical man American, like you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, like so maybe that's a compliment. I, I don't know. I think it was a compliment, um, but I I get there and it's fine. Like I leave at like 10 a.m. It's finally like 6 p.m. The penguins are supposed to come out. My the last bus to get back home leaves at like 6:30. My taxi driver need to get there like. 620 like we had to leave by like 610 so mm -hmm. the penguins are supposed to be out at 530 um the clock's ticking it turns six no penguins like 605 we finally start to see the penguins they're coming out i start getting calls on my phone like and i'm like i'm running like i had to like leave the penguin stage and try to run to the front of like the museum the exhibit to meet him i get like three calls i start running because i wanted to see the penguins i like came all the way there for the penguins um and I'm running, and literally as I get there, I see the car drive off. And I was no. like, I was literally, I was like having like a mini panic attack. Um, I started going to like, there was these like big buses. I was like, is there any way I could pay for like a bus ticket? Is there any way I could pay for a bus ticket? Like, where are you going? They said, we're full, we're full. And I was like starting to really freak out. So I started going up to like strangers. I'm like, is there any way I could pay you to take me to this bus stop? no like five no's the clock is ticking like the bus is leaving in like 20 minutes so i've kind of like partially given up so, so you're gonna run 
I, I, I wish I can't. There was no sidewalks. It was just like a highway, basically. No. Um, so I start looking at Airbnbs. I start looking at hostels. There's none. It's like all completely booked. So I started asking some of the workers, like, is there any way you could drive me? And they're like, dude, we're working. Like this place doesn't close for another like 10 minutes. And I was like, when it closes, the last bus is there. So I'm literally, I'm freaking out. I'm having like a mini panic attack. Like I'm going to sleep with the penguins or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sitting inside and I text in like the yes theory, this like Facebook group chat. I was like, is any, just like last result, is anybody here? Um, literally like two minutes to close, I get a text. One of my friends are like, yeah, I'm here. Like, did you want to take a picture of the penguins? I called her like five times. I was like, answer, answer, answer. And then she's like, oh, one second. So she's texting me back. She's like, oh, what's up? I was like, is there any chance you could like drive me to like the nearest next bus stop? And she was like, oh, like what happened? And I told her what happened. And she's like, oh, like we live in Fitzroy, which is literally the town over from me. They're like, we'll just drive you back. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, that's unreal. Fuck? I literally could not stop saying thank you in the car. She, she was so nice. I'm pretty sure her name was Sarah too. There you go. Um, it's just her, a Sarah thing. Her, her like, they were like family friends that she was staying with. Um, and they were so nice to me on the ride back. And I like, I literally could not believe that I got home that night. Like it was, it was still so crazy. That was one of the most surreal experiences of the whole trip. So how did you capture that on camera? Or was it just kind of like intermittent things and it would be like voiceover? Cause that's an insane story. So one, my only regret is that like from running and then to finding Sarah, I didn't record cause I was just very focused on um, trying to find a way home. But the entire day, like I was recording up to that cause I knew it'd be a video. Um, and then after Sarah picked me up, I knew it'd be a video, but kind of the current edit that like I hadn't touched for a few months was more of like a normal um, YouTube vlog, where it's just like, this is a few snippets of like random stuff that happened. And then like, this is when I decided to like go see penguins on the 4th of July in like Max Ratner style and then going through events, like getting in the taxi. And then I thought about doing like, oh, I'll do a part two after I leave. But I'm kind of, I was like going back and forth. And now I don't want to like explain too much of the newest edit that I was thinking about. Yeah. But basically going along like current kind of trends. Um, the plan is like, I decided to go see the penguins because they're not making a happy feet three and I miss penguins or something yeah. like that. Like kind of turning into a trend like that, like mm-hmm. inspired by like creators like Ryan Trahan who were like, going in like bigger picture and then funneling down but mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the plan it's kind i kind of shot it like a youtube video but i shot all of that vertically on my phone mm-hmm. um where it's i had some talking like in the moment but generally for most of those videos it's a voiceover yeah and with this this would be like one of the side projects that you're working on personally does that belong under the llc that you made or how does the llc kind of tie into everything that you're working on yeah that was something i was going back and forth on because a Mm -hmm. lot of my favorite like brands are also like media empires like yes theory um it's the brand and it's like the brand it's like the clothing 
um they created movies and all their content falls under them and then they have like four main talent um or they did um but i kind of talking to like some creators that i've like done work for and just talking to other creators i'm friends with i've deciding kind of to make like at max ratner at max rat either or the like front where i'm gonna put all of like my creative work all of the vlogs all the tiktoks youtube and then Mm -hmm. story bottle is like the more services side um gotcha Sometimes, like, I have a few social platforms that are, like, at Story Bottle, which is, which is the name of the boutique agency. Um, and, like, if something's just, like, a straight-up, like, ad and doesn't have me in it, maybe I'd put it on there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, the behind-the-scenes or, like, the voiceover walkthrough on mine. But mm-hmm. So the for, LLC yeah. is Story Bottle or is it Max Ratner? The LLC is Story Bottle. Okay. Yeah. Um, even, like, any brand work I've done I still just have it come to the LLC maybe I've thought I've thought about that like a year two three years once I'm able to like grow my own personal brand a lot more and focus on it I'd probably get like a second LLC if it seemed mm-hmm. like it would make more sense but the con like the actual work between both of them is all video media social media related so I didn't think it was that like big of an issue mm-hmm. like of that like the difference in branding and things like that right so building an llc kind of similar to like the yes theory why did you decide to make an llc this early on definitely i think just because the llc is more like client facing mm-hmm. from everyone i've talked it's just a lot more credibility and professional like mm-hmm. also there's a lot of tools that like i've seen that like you need an llc to apply for programs um and down the line for like tax purposes if you ever want to get an s corp it's a lot more beneficial um but it was it was mostly for professional and credibility i have Mm -hmm. some friends who like their llc is just their name but they're also like very just they're they're like they want to be full-time creators i kind of want to be half and half so that's kind of my way to split it also if i ever like in 10 years really want to just grow story bottle separately i don't have to go through the process like right now I'm letting it them kind of like dip toes in the same pool mm-hmm. but I have the option to split it and it could be its own separate brand if it ever needed mm-hmm. to be but it's still like story bottle by Max Ratner gotcha and what was building that LLC process like like how did you know how to do that or what the process was in doing that definitely it's, it came Starting back from like square one, it came from my first interest in startups. And like my Mm -hmm. first ever internship was at a startup during that COVID summer. Um, And then through Red Hawk and just like continued interest in startups, like a startup weekend here, um, helping my cousin and like other people I knew in the startup industry. I just learned a lot about the business aspects. And um, my dad owns his own company. So I was able to ask him some like, legal ask questions mm-hmm. and um i was really privileged and like i was looking into zoom info but then when i talked to my dad about it he said just use my guy so i just had a call with him and then i just paid him right away getting an llc is really easy mm-hmm. um but i think a lot of people don't at least people i know in the creative industry don't and i'm still learning it but don't really know like the benefits of it like mm-hmm. 
the most black and white benefit of it is like limited liability company. Like right now I'm honestly getting taxed pretty similarly than like I would normally, but again, it just went back to credibility and like taking the next step as like, I want to start an agency. The first step in starting any company is getting an LLC. Gotcha. Okay. And the LLC process is probably like pretty easy because it's pretty similar across the board as to like what everyone's LLC is. It's pretty much just like plug in story bottle here, plug in Max Ratner there, plug in story bottle here. So it's pretty uniform yeah. across the board. Was there anything that when, during the process you were kind of a little wary of or that it didn't really fit with your core values of what you were trying to make story bottle appear as? The only thing I was like weary of was honestly just like deciding whether I did want to make it like Max Redden mm-hmm. LLC or Storybot LLC, so like the branding, but the yeah. actual like legal, it was, it was so black and white. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. it honestly wasn't like that hard. If anyone wants to get an LLC, do yeah. it. <laughs> well, you could honestly and... probably write your own LLC with chat GPT and just be like, hey, write me a, a LLC documentation paperwork yeah. thing for yeah, story about yeah no, yo, you you definitely could that would be huge so how did you come up with the name of story bottle that is yeah i first of all i love the name one of my one of my like biggest things is just like i want to make sure this name is mine yeah it's a good name <laughs> so, it's a really good name thank you um i was i really wanted the word story and i really wanted it to i really wanted like another just like fun word that you could use for branding like i look up to like, do you have, do you know Lyrical Lemonade at all? It's a, it's a brand by a guy named Cole Bennett, who's a huge like director, music video director in Chicago. He literally just made a video with Jack Black, coolest guy ever. Um, and I kind of liked that he had like something that's part of the industry, Lyrical, and then he had something that's kind of more fun, separate. Yeah. So I looked to that. I also looked to like, comp- like startup companies, like DoorDash, like a word that you can kind of like say it's like two separate words but like put together story bottle yeah um and then it, it originally was like story in a bottle that kind of like if you think of like a pirate ship or like coming off from the shore like story in a bottle and yeah. i haven't done it, i haven't done it yet but one thing that i plan on doing in the future is like giving clients like files on like a flash drive that's like a usb and a cork so that's like their story oh that's bottle. fun yeah. That's such a good idea. And are you documenting these ideas as you're coming up with them? Because I mean, obviously, like some of these things are way further out and some of these are a little bit closer. Like, how are you keeping track of your process and your progress? Yeah, that's that's a big hurdle that was for me just because like sometimes I literally can't fall asleep if I like think of something. I need to just write it down. So the two there are three tools that I use for all of that, like organization and like just holding kind of like a digital brain is this program called Todoist, which mm-hmm. I have had, I've had a lot of people like ask me about and I've told a lot of people about because it it's the coolest program ever. Not sponsored by Todoist, but they did, <laughs> they did retweet one of my tweets about them, which was cool. That's huge. It's um, basically like you're promoted by them. Basically, um, it's, it's more of a like to-do program but it's so like easy to just like write down something and then put it in like kind of, they have a Kanban board like uh, Trello does. Mm-hmm. You can organize it by project. So I've like, 
a backlog of ideas for like story bottle, backlog of ideas for like content and things like that. I also use just my notes if I just need to like write a bunch of stuff down and then organize it into Doist. And I used to use Notion a lot. I don't use it that much just because it's not really easy to use on the phone. And like a lot of times if I think of something I just want to, I'm usually not close to my laptop. I'm like walking or something. So I just want to write it down and yeah, kind of be in the moment. Yeah, that's awesome. And a really good way of documenting things. I personally just use literally like a notebook and a pen. And that's how I document everything. So sometimes these questions that I ask are mostly like for me, I'm like, Oh, how can I better run my podcast? Um, should I be making an LLC? Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really cool process. And it's definitely interesting to hear about. And especially because like being something that you're so passionate about, and you can see that you're passionate about it, you love telling stories, it was obviously a commonality between things that you did in your previous majors in college, and then translated that narrative or storytelling into what your professional work is. And so now that you're kind of doing this storytelling, and you're creating like TikToks I've seen. Um, so what's the thing that you've been getting the most traction on? Is it YouTube videos? Is it tweets? Is it TikToks? What is it? Um, it's It's been very back and forth and it's kind of on my end. I have not been at all consistent. Mm -hmm. um, That's the hardest part, the truly. Like I, yeah, I haven't been able to be consistent while posting. And mm -hmm. it's funny because I just had a call with one of my friends, Luke, yesterday and like, one of every like creator, except for like some of the biggest creators, but even them still all have like a bottleneck to some way. And my mm -hmm. bottleneck right now is actually getting stuff created because like I I've on my notes and like on my to doist, I probably have like a hundred videos like shot of like me running around and like in the backlog, but then I like forget about it and mm -hmm. I like think of another video idea and then I don't have enough time to do that one. And then I mm -hmm. think of another one. So there's, there's literally probably like 20 just from Australia that I shot that I still haven't posted, probably like 20 from study abroad. I haven't even made, um, but that's my biggest problem is the consistency, the best traction, um, probably YouTube mm -hmm. just, I've, I've um, just started going to long form content this year and it's something that I really want to do more this year, but I've also kind of had a thought point that I want to grow on short form and then put more time into long form, kind of like feed the machine. Mm -hmm. um, but even like my first long form video, like got 900 views, which I was pretty happy with as like a long yeah, form video. Yeah, that's awesome. But the actual, the best traction I've ever had on a video, one of like my favorite videos I've ever made was in Australia, it was on the story of me figuring out where I was living literally the night before. I think I watched um, this just... one. Oh, really? It was, yeah, the, it's the best. It's like the most viewed video I've done so far. It was on Facebook. It got 2 million views, which is sick. Cause that's, that's huge. Like the, best, the best for me. And it was funny cause it was like on Facebook and I personally just like threw it on like secondly, cause I mostly wanted it to be on like youtube and tiktok mm -hmm. but my in this past like four months my platform with the highest traction has been linkedin just because how i'm like editing my videos kind of like my thought process of i need to 
get all these videos. I need to shoot it. I need to edit it. I need to spend like probably like two or three hours versus on LinkedIn. I just have, I either have like a backlog of ideas from in Todoist, or I just like think of something that I just read or saw or talked about. Mm -hmm. And then I post it like instantly and it takes like a minute. So I'm, I'm finding that really easy to do like almost every single day. Mm -hmm. And I've had pretty decent traction. I got, um, a client off of it. I've had, uh, multiple like people like DM me asking me to call from it. Um, and I've like just grown a lot. It's good to get like at least that muscle rolling. And I've also am kind of starting to use it as like a platform to show TikTok and YouTube videos long, um, kind of like long term. Uh, I guess my three main platforms would honestly probably be LinkedIn, Instagram and YouTube. Yeah. And with LinkedIn, because I did notice I am connected with you on LinkedIn, that you're very active on it, which to me, it's like, I'm not confident enough to do that in like a professional realm. So that takes a new level of confidence. Do you approach your posts on LinkedIn differently? Because I know there's kind of a running joke of like you post differently on Twitter than you do on Instagram than you do on Facebook. Like you gear Facebook facebook towards like something your grandma would see whereas your um instagram is something that your friends see and your linkedin is something that like your professional side so like you're all quartered off into like different or thirded off i guess because they're only listed three things yeah yeah you're all thirded off into whatever your sector is so being a storyteller and having a personality it largely falls under your professional scope. So do you approach LinkedIn differently than how you approach other forms of social media? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it is, you were kind of hitting it on the point. Like, it's funny because when I talk to my other friends, like, dude, like I've been on LinkedIn, like LinkedIn actually has been so cool. Um, They're like, what? Because a lot of them are like in finance or just like Mm -hmm. paid marketing and things like that. But for me, like my side, my corner, my third of LinkedIn is all other like creators, either full-time creators, people managing creators, people who are just like content posters or ghost writers on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it, I guess, is like edgy for LinkedIn, but like yeah. normal for content. For your side, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just, I'm really just using the same voice, maybe like a touch more professional but like mm-hmm. I'm some of my videos like I just that I'm posting on YouTube I literally just post on LinkedIn and I don't make like a separate edit for it and then I don't ever feel that like I have to like filter myself that much mm-hmm. maybe just choose to use different words depending on like the crowd but honestly one of my favorite reasons and why I like the platform is because like first of all I have an agency so like there's a part of me that's client facing and when I'm posting on like TikTok, I don't know who's going to see it. But when mm-hmm. I know when I post anything on LinkedIn, I know people that are at least more professionally focused to some extent are going to see it, which generally is like more in my target market for yeah, definitely. A, chunk, a chunk of my content, at least. Yeah, because there is a different breed of human, which I'm finding myself resonating more with that when they get on 
in bed at night and they start scrolling through their social media, LinkedIn is the social media that they're scrolling through. And I've been, I've, I'm victim to that. Like I am scrolling through LinkedIn. I'm like, why am I on LinkedIn? Like, why, why is this what I'm looking at right now? (laughs) It's I'm a young professional. I'm just trying to be ambitious and get after it in the late night hours. No, but that's extremely cool. And I, again, I don't think that I am well-equipped to start posting in my voice on LinkedIn yet. Um, I haven't gotten that comfortable. Um, so maybe I need to take a page out of your book and just kind of pull the trigger and do it. Uh, maybe That's like true. a 1159 post on New Year's Eve. That'll be my New Year's resolution. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but that's awesome. So obviously like creating a bunch of different content on a bunch of different platforms. What's, the fav- what's your favorite piece of content, whether it's a picture, a video, a story that you've done, that you've created, that you're most proud of? Yeah, let me, um, honestly, yeah, the one that made me the proudest so far isn't even really like a social media post. Yeah. Exactly. It was the documentary I did for the JCC, mm-hmm. just because to date, I would still say that was one of my hardest projects, just because I like they came to me with it without really much structure of mm-hmm. it. So I like created the whole structure. I shot the whole thing. I edited most of it. And like with the team, we created the whole story and uh, like completely own something and learn the whole time, which was probably one of the most learning I've ever done. But when it actually got posted, it didn't get like a million, two million views. I think it only got like 6,000, which is like, I thought that was great, like organically. Yeah, that's still awesome. Um, but all the comments were just like, oh my God, this makes me perfectly feel like I'm in camp. Like this, like grandmas and grandpas were like, this brings me back. Like, I'm so happy to seem like my grandchildren. And like a lot of my past campers, because I was also like a counselor and a camper there, like mm-hmm. texted me, they're like, I love, like, I love the documentary. I love what you did. Because it was something that was so like sentimental and emotional. And mm-hmm. I felt like, we were able to capture it well and execute it well. And Mm -hmm. after so much work at like such a big project with like a purpose for it to finally get executed and executed well, it like has the most value, the most sentimental value to me. And it was, I like, I enjoyed that more than like getting a 2 million view, 2 million view video or like a 500,000 viewed video um, just because I knew the meaning that it had to the target audience. Yeah. And it's honestly like you're creating not for yourself. Like the goal is to be creating for other people. So to hear people be impacted by work that you did, that's like the ultimate praise, right? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's so awesome. And other advice that you might have for like people that want to get into the creating environment, like Obviously, your story is very unique and kind of a difficult path to follow. Uh, But is there any advice that you have to other people that want to get into either becoming a creator, uh, whether it's in content or just in general? Yeah, definitely. One of the biggest things I've had a lot of friends who have like started to, to dip their toes into it. And the biggest thing is like, they're like, what gear should I get? And I would say unless you actually want to like do videography too i would say until you until you get like a few thousand followers or you actually decide this something you want to do just use your phone like Mm -hmm. i use my phone 
I, I remember when I first originally started doing this too, I asked somebody this and he said like, he had a nice camera that he was like, that's my main camera. He said, the second most camera I use is my phone. Mo like most of my best performing videos were shot on my phone. Even mm -hmm. some like client stuff I've shot on my phone. Um, and to even the second part of that is you have everything you need right here. Um, at this point, just with like my actual job job right now, like I need nicer gear, nicer equipment. I need Adobe Premiere Pro. I need Final Cut. But I, one of like my clients who has like, I think 2 million followers, does everything on his phone. He edits on his phone. He edits on CapCut and he's had like insane traction. Uh, you can do everything you want in like your hand right here. Mm -hmm. And it, it's all free too. Once you get this phone, CapCut's free. Premiere's free, TikTok, YouTube, everything's free. There's really nothing you, nothing holding you back except your own inhibition, which mm -hmm. um, it's also like anything else. You just got to get the reps in. Like even right. I just, I just shot a video today after like probably not shooting for like a week or like a week or two, and it still felt like you had to get the rust off a little bit. Yeah. And especially when you're first starting, it's not easy. And even like a year later, it's still not just super easy to just turn on after um, the camera's on. So you just need to get started and realize you have everything you need right here. Yeah, I think that's a lot of people's barriers because they want to believe that there's something standing in the way of them and whatever they're trying to accomplish. And so gear being the first thing, being like, okay, I don't have the pro like the proper gear. Like people ask me all the time, Sarah, how do you start a podcast? What microphone should I get? What should my setup be? What camera do you use? I'm like, dude, I literally use my iPad that I've been using since I was in high school. And I my dad <laughs> bought me a microphone from Amazon. Like you don't really have to do that much. And so I think that it's, a lot of people want to believe that it is some laborious process that that's what's preventing them from doing it. But it's really like saw a TikTok recently that was like, you can start your own business for free. Like there's marketing tools, there are videography tools. There are so many business tools that you can use that are free, that are at your fingertips. Should you go out looking for them? So I think that's really sound advice and a good note to end on. Uh, Max, I really appreciate your time and taking the hour away from your girlfriend in her lovely room. <laughs> Give her some compliments on her cowboy hats. Um, I will, I will. And I hope that you enjoy your time in Oxford. I miss that place. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see your podcast blow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. We're hoping. Influencer status. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Thanks, okay, Max. Awesome. Bye. Bye.